Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. Today, we're talking with Paul Kingsman about getting rid of distractions. Paul is an author and a speaker and the only person who has ever let me wear his Olympic medal. If you want to get more focus, more important things done, you're going to love my conversation with Paul Kingsman. This is Retirement Revealed, where Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you towards making smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeremy. I've been looking forward to talking with you today. You got it. Did I drop that nugget about the Olympic medal? So I, I'm assuming we're just going to have to start there. Tell us about uh, yourself, your background. How did you come across an Olympic medal? I don't think you bought it. No, I, did, I didn't buy it. And uh, I'm glad you tried on the Olympic medal. I had the swimsuit there, but no one was actually opting to, to wear that. <laughs> I right. started swimming when I was eight and I uh, had a chance to, was playing cricket and learned very quickly that cricket can be a very boring game. Uh, right next to the cricket field, cricket pitch was a swimming pool. And uh, so when I was eight, my parents took me there and I jumped in the water. I told the guy standing on the side who would then go on to be my coach for the next 15 years that, of course, I could swim a lap pretty easily. I got to halfway and I stood up and uh, was out of breath and he decided that he'd take me anyway. And that started a 15-year time span together, incorporating two Olympic Games and uh, three Commonwealth Games. Then I, I, I set lofty goals when I was very young. I was inspired when I watched the 1976 Montreal Olympics. Uh, I just started. I hadn't been swimming too long at that point. And I just remember vividly seeing what the athletes looked like when they were on that podium. And so for me, that was it. And so I set a goal to go to the Olympics and win a medal when I was very young. I went to the 1984 Olympics when I was 17, a young, a dumb teenager, but but <laughs> learned a load. Uh, so by the time 1988 rolled around, I was 21 and I swam on the 200 meters backstroke and won an Olympic medal by four one hundredths of a second. Uh, so I, I definitely appreciate time and how quickly little pieces of time can change lives. Yeah. I love uh, part of, you wrote a book focused towards financial advisors. We'll talk about that a little bit. And of course, uh, most people listening are not a financial advisor. They're right. going to get a ton out of what we talk about because it's it's all about distractions and who doesn't have distractions. <laughs> yeah. But what you wrote in your kind of the, the bio intro for the book, it says, Paul knows the importance of keeping focus in life split seconds firsthand. He trained for 13 years to swim a two minute backstroke and won the medal by only four one hundredths of a second. So you you definitely write on that. Uh, well, look at that focus there. I imagine there's a lot of distractions that you avoided to get to yep. the point to where you could have a two-minute backstroke uh, race at the Olympics. Yeah. And that's a good point, Jeremy. The distractions at the actual event I saw, again, when I was 17 and a little immature for the circumstances, but I learned. And then we set down a plan after 1984 for four years. Uh, my coach and I, we we took each year apart and said, okay, this is where we want to be at the end of each year up until 1988. And so, yes, one of the key things to do to succeed, especially in competitive sport or frankly, any endeavor we deem appropriate to pursue in life, you're going to get bombarded with distractions, especially today with how accessible we are. 
and how distractions are proliferating across any field or any venue that we are trying to watch, see, listen to. And so you've got to really know exactly where you're heading. You've got to know the the ultimate desired outcome that you want. And I think have that very clearly set in your mind so that you can see what distractions look like. I think this is part of our challenge in all facets of life is not having a very uh, clearly defined, at least mental picture, ideally having that picture written down uh, that we want to attain. And therefore, as soon as we know what that looks like, we know the things that can interrupt. The, the trick isn't so much getting rid of the obvious distractions. It's the subtle, it's the subtle distractions that are good, but not necessary. And they're the tough ones. And uh, you know, don't hear me say that I've got this dialed in. It's a day by day, it's a day by day battle, I think, for us all. Yeah. And so many people view this thinking, well, this is just uh, do more work, get more done. But when I'm approaching retirement, I I I don't have to bother with that kind of stuff anymore. But you're talking about gain control, work smarter, enjoy success sooner, which of course is kind of business and accomplishment focused. But who doesn't want to control their time and whatever they're doing with the, a lot of people feel like retirement's just the small remainder of time. You know, right. who wouldn't want to be smarter with the uses of those time and, and enjoy it? Uh, more. Right. So you gave us uh, some tips. You've got a bunch of tips on your website. We'll link to that as well too. Sure. But I picked out my five favorite that I felt were most appropriate. And sure. one of them was that if you don't prioritize your time, other people will. And of course, you just shared how you had created a year by year schedule of how you will prioritize your time. But uh, can you share with me a, a story that you, uh, I've heard you speak before uh, mm. and you share a story about how really by prioritizing your time when it came to sleep and how your your mother kind of ran interference a lot of times <laughs> to help that keep that as a priority. Yes. Yeah. My, my parents, I was blessed. Uh, I still am blessed with hugely supportive parents. And so they really uh, were, were part of my team, you know, during all of my swimming to finance the whole deal, which was very helpful. <laughs> but in 1988, when I was training solidly for the Olympics, I, I came home from a scholarship that I had at, at UC Berkeley. I came, finished my studies early, uh, took my exams. We swam NC two ways. I came back to New Zealand. And at that stage, we were the only Kingsmen living in New Zealand. And New Zealand's not a big country. And so I was very easy to find. I was very accessible. And so I had a lot of good friends in the media, but it was easy to find me in the phone book and easy for people to call me anytime they wanted to. And I'd set a criteria. My coach and I had had been very structured about what we wanted, what I needed to be doing to rest and recover. And so part of the, one of the most important parts of training with the intensity that you go through, I set my goal to be in bed by 8.30 every night. And so that's what I, that's what I wanted to hold fast to because I knew in the morning I was getting up to do this all over again. So your body needs rest to recover. And so the, the reporters for the most part knew the rules. Uh, and like I said, I got a lot of good friends in the media. Uh, and if they called me at, you know, 10 past eight, we could talk for 20 minutes. Oftentimes they would call me at 8.40 and they would get mum. And she was very polite, but very clear. And as, I, as I've said to people, she held a, a double black belt in gatekeeping where you just weren't getting through her. 
And she knew how tired I was and she knew she was running defense for me. And so she knew the rules were after 8.30, she just would take messages or or tell people to call me back um, the next day. But it can be tempting, you know, to to hear that phone ring and think, you know, I know that guy, he's a neat guy. I know they're looking for a story for tomorrow morning's news. You know, I'll get out of bed. It'll just take 10 minutes. But but then you get out of bed at 8.40 and you realize, you know, you don't get back to bed till quarter past nine. You're hyped up because you've been talking about the Olympics and, you know, what they're thinking you're you're aiming to do. And it totally defeats you setting that line in the sand, that standard to say, regardless of how anybody else thinks about going to bed at 8.30 when they're 21 years old, this is my standard. And this is the criteria that I've set for myself. And this is my threshold. And so it's it's super important to take personal pride in setting those standards that are important for you personally. Others might not be able to understand them or think, hey, just this once you'll fold on them, uh, but you deepen that conviction for w- what you're doing. And so it just makes it easier to be thinking professionally, you know, every day. Yeah. And when you are prioritizing your time, you also mentioned how um, decide what activities are most important. So obviously sleep's a, an important activity for training for anybody, uh, but just thinking yeah. of uh, retirement. I hear from people all the time that I thought I was busy before I retired, but oh my goodness, the instant my schedule became open, uh, all of a sudden it just got filled uh, so quickly. Uh, other right. people just kind of uh, prioritize their time for you or you just thought, well, I can do everything because I have all this time in the world. But there's still yeah. things that you feel are most important that are uh, a priority to you. And just yep. this new idea or newish idea of time blocking uh, mm. makes a lot of sense. If you're working, just set aside the one hour, two hours, four hours, whatever it is on the one particular activity, uh, just even retirement, you know, yeah. go ahead and do the same thing. If if the two hours of hiking is the most important thing, well, there you go. Turn off the phone and do yeah. the two hours of, of hiking. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great point you raised, Jeremy, because when I was working as an advisor, we often couched retirement. Uh, we we didn't so much. We did refer to it sometimes as work optional, but we couched it more around choices uh, for a couple of reasons. One was to have people realize, hey, there's a consequence for a financial decision they're making now before they're retired, and therefore will have implications, positive or negative, down the track. Um, but also to realize that. We have choices. And when people are saying, hey, answer my call or answer my email, you're working to their schedule. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing because we want to be kind. We want to be giving and what have you. But there also comes a point where you've got to prioritize you know, your marriage, your children, uh, your health. And so especially in retirement where a lot of people think, well, all you're doing is sitting around all day. It's just like, no, you've still got a, a, a wonderful stage of life to be using that time specifically and whether it even be resting a lot of people think well resting is just being lazy it's no it's recovery time to as you pointed out to go on that hike to go to the beach to have the energy for quality time with grandchildren things like that yeah and you mentioned resting you said rest recover repeat you know athletes uh need to rest they need to recover but especially this repeat idea i was talking with somebody uh a friend of mine and he kind of uh, said, what's your like one goal for the year? And I, I said, well, I'm basically just doing 
more of the same thing. I said, wait a second, actually, let me rephrase this. I'm doing the same thing more often, right? There's right. a few things that are working well in the business and I'm just trying to do more of those things right. on there. It, it's a repeating thing. I imagine, right. uh, I don't think they, I don't know if they call them repeats. Do they call them repeats in the swimming world? They do in like the running yeah. Uh, yeah, world. Repeats. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You've done a lot of repeats in your yep. in your lifetime, and it's yep. you, you can't just do you know swim fifty meters once. It's the no. repeat, repeat, uh, repeat on That's that, right. and you can't yeah. of course do that if you didn't rest and recover. So whatever that that is, whatever that is making your life good for retirement, you yeah. probably want to do more of that. You know, if it's That's travel, right. if it's golf, it's spend time with the the grandkids, and if you mm. haven't gone through and prioritized. Uh, if you don't have the rest and recovery, you probably can't repeat that and do more and more of that. That's right. And our, and our culture, so much of our culture, Jeremy, moves so fast that we tend to think that doing something repetitively is boring. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's actually it's actually not. It brings security. It brings mastery if it's something like yep. golf. I'd also say even in relationships, it helps with mastery where there's my wife and I have a have a date time. We've dated since we're married for 32 years, and we intend to keep that even when we head into that retirement phase. We know on Thursdays at 4.30, that's our time. And, and so I'm a huge fan of repetition mm -hmm. and enjoying that. It doesn't get boring when you look for mastery in it, regardless of what it is. And that that may even be in a daily routine. I enjoy getting up early in the morning. That's when I have my quiet time, my Bible study time. I'm up at 4.15 each morning. People say, well, you've, you've finished swimming. Why would you do that? It's just like, I see the joy in it. It's the quietest time of the day. Yeah. No one's calling. I can just take the time to get the day planned, do my the reading that I want to do and get ready for the day unhindered from anyone. And it's a it's a part of my routine. As soon as I miss that time, the day's uphill from there. So mm -hmm. now I'm a I'm a huge advocate for routines and following structure. Yeah, and those uh routines, you want to make sure they're healthy routines because you could get yeah. into you kind of think of a, a routine as maybe a health, healthy routine and bad habits, right? If you don't right. create your own healthy routine, you could fall into whatever that bad habit and then that becomes a repetitive thing, That's whatever right. it might be, which falls into another category I, I saw you mention is that choose to do what matters most right now. So even right. good things done at the right time are distracting you. So I imagine if you fell asleep at 6 a.m. in the middle of your repeat workout, that's a good thing at the wrong time, right? If that's you, right got up and swam at 1 a.m. when you should have been sleeping, that was a good thing at the, the wrong time. That's uh, right. So that's great. You're saying choose to do what matters most right now. And Thursdays at 4.30, what matters most right then is going on a date with your wife. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's right. And and it's and it's understanding and taking pride in evaluating uh, those those priorities. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that just because you're choosing not to do them, they're bad, they're bad ideas, but they've just got to be done at the right time in their place. And so, yeah, to to hold to that and and to take again, take pride in doing that because it's it's a struggle where um, good is the enemy of the great. Uh, Michael Hyatt used to say that uh, good is the enemy of the great. And we can always settle for good stuff instead of really pursuing things done excellently or that that excellent approach 
to maximizing that time block that we've allocated or to maximizing that time with friends or that time with with family. And and so I, I really was blessed to be surrounded by people who were advocates for doing things excellently. And there's a big difference between excellence and perfection. I'm not talking about perfection, but but even but doing things excellently, even as we get older, I would say especially as we get older, people are craving to see excellence in our culture. And when we think about retirement, when we think about choices, when we think about people aging up, there's so much that they have to offer as far as letting people see these are the standards we've set. And this is why at 65, at 70, at 75, we're still in love with each other. And does it? If everybody says, well, that's so sweet. It takes work. It takes diligent effort. I'm getting very careful about using the word work as well because it has many negative connotations. I like sure. the term diligent effort. Um, and and so, again, we were so blessed in a, the church we went to in New Zealand. It was very important for us to go to a church with older retired couples and have our son see, hey, this is what it looks like when when an 85-year-old uh, wife loses a spouse. This mm-hmm. is what it looks like seeing an 87-year-old couple still in love and look at the longevity here and what where the value set is. Uh, so yes, I, I think there's uh, you know people going transitioning to that stage of life just have so much to offer. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to fivestepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our five-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to fivestepretirementplan.com. Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. Fivestepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. Yeah, that's and part of it is that they have understand what's most important, where it seems like they've gotten over the thought that I can just do everything. One suggestion you make for getting rid of distractions is just understanding that multitasking is a myth. Uh, right. It's, it's interesting. My um, my wife often asks me, uh, she was asking me something uh, just recently about uh, some, we got a new puppy. What happens with this dog training? I've never yeah. uh, trained a dog in my life. I've never owned a dog in my life. I said, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to find out because I've got other things I can add value to. Uh, right. But that's that's something that I think a lot of people go into that, okay, I'm going to learn a little about this, I'm a little bit about that, I'm going to do a little bit of this, I'm going to do a little bit of that. Like just focus on, once you've done that prioritization, right, you've got three, four, five things, maybe three, four, five people that are most right. important uh, in your life. And to think yep. that you can uh, maybe spread yourself between all of them at one time uh, right. is just uh, is just a myth. And yeah. and it's not even just priority. It's It's saying you've got multiple things that you could do just pick the one and be really right. good at it. Yeah. Yep. And and go go deep. Uh go deep with it. I was just reading some some of Warren Buffett's um his approach and and we were saying write out a list 
of, of 30 things that you want to do, pick the top five. And the thinking is, and then you've got a second list with the remaining 25 and his, his perspective is, and then throw the net, throw that last 25 out the window, mm. focus on those five things and one at a time. Um, you're right about multitasking. Multitasking, uh, there's a book called The One Thing, which I'm a huge advocate for. Yes. And uh, it talks about the fact that we see computers do multiple operations, and it seems like they do them at once. But in fact, they do them. So, the computer does it so quickly, it appears like that, but it's still doing one task at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're simply not made to do multiple tasks at multiple times. Now, this is one of the things I, I enjoy. I do a lot of speaking to, to different church groups, pointing out that everything was created in six days. And if there was anyone who could do everything at once, it was God. And even then, it's like, it's like no, I'll take six days and a seventh day to rest. Mm -hmm. So, like, take the cue here, people. And and so, yeah, take be fully present. And, uh, you know, when my wife and I go out for a walk, at, you, typically we're walking at 4.30 on that Thursday phones off. We don't talk shop. We don't talk business. We just talk about what what each of us is doing uh, in fitness or or health stuff or those those kinds of things. Um, but be fully engaged at that particular time, and it becomes rich. And then to your point you made, you yearn for it in other instances with other people and that next person. You you want to go deeper with them. Yeah, and I. I love how you mentioned the idea of uh, you know putting the phone off, focusing on your wife at that point in time, uh, because you're trying to become distraction-proof. You're trying to get rid of yeah. distractions. And in the list I was looking that you put together in your your article, one thing that it seemed a little bit maybe outside of the thought of distractions, but I want to I want to bring it in here because I think as you explain it, you're going to really uh, bring it home for why this next one is going to make the most sense. It's the fifth thing that I'm going to uh, leave us with on how to become distraction-proof. Before I get there, I'm, I'm just curious. I pulled up your Olympic results because I think the way I phrased the question might, might change. Uh, so you swam in the 88 Olympics. Did you swim the uh, 100 meters before the 200 meters? Uh, no, was, the, 100, the 100 was after the 200. Okay, interesting. All right. I'm going to phrase my question differently. I was curious how that might have, might have worked out. But your, your final idea of here's how you be, get rid of distractions is you learn from your setbacks and you keep yeah. moving forward because yep. you swam in the 84 Olympics, the 200 meters backstrokes yes. and you got uh 20th. Yeah. And yeah. then four years later, you got the bronze medal. Yeah. I, I imagine when you finished the 200 meters backstroke four years earlier, you perhaps felt that was a setback as if you could maybe do better. Tell me yeah. about how you felt there and, and how you moved forward. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely right, Jeremy, because um, remembering that in 1984, we had uh, the boycott. Um, so the Eastern Bloc countries were away. So if ever there was a chance to perform well and, and a better chance to get a medal, it was, you know, it's when half the world isn't there. Um, I didn't realize at the time that I actually had mono. Uh, I was diagnosed with that a month later, and they said, you've actually had this for the last five months, uh, which which explained a lot of a lot of things um but yeah at the time it was a huge disappointment because as i said half the world wasn't there and and i knew we knew that it, even as a 17 year old in 84 my main shot was going to be in 88 and here i am like i'm on, i'm just in the top 20 in the world 
Uh, and it took some mental regrouping. Um, again, this is where you want to have advocates close by. Uh, and again, with my team, you know, sitting down with my coach and then then looking at what we could learn. And this is something that I see people, they, they look at what they can learn when they're disappointed, but then you got to let it go mm-hmm. and, and realize, okay, tomorrow's a new day. And learn from the, not so much mistakes, but learn from the experience, uh, especially if it hasn't been a great one, what you can don't take it as a personal slight, but then let it go and move on with with a new pathway and figure out the steps. Okay, we've, we've got to this point. Now, how do we get to that point? And so it's it's like that not only in sport, but in, in relationships and in business um, where you don't want to get down with the previous experience. Learn from it. And then figure out, okay, to course correct, that's where we want to head. And then, you know, away you go again. So, yeah, you don't you don't want to get demoralized. And uh, I've seen, you know, I, I swam with people way more talented than I did. But, you know, sometimes that was the case. They'd get, they wouldn't perform as well as they wanted to. They'd get down and they just couldn't get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you want to learn from the experiences, but but move on. Um, you know, tomorrow's it's it's a new day and a new opportunity. So well, I think that, even then you about. you said something in the article about uh, recognize you're disappointed. A lot of people feel <laughs> like moving forward means moving on or moving over. Like I just could ignore the situation. Uh, but right. I imagine you felt disappointed and you remembered what it felt to be disappointed yeah. and you did not want to do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you just yeah. kind of ignore the emotion you may not have had the capability to push yourself forward or right. to to really put that last effort in uh, yeah. at the end. I mean, you're you're backstroking, right? Uh, yep. Which means you you reach backwards. That's right. And you can't see the wall, but you're yeah. throwing your hands as as hard as you can, almost yep. hoping you break your fingers, right? You're just That's trying right. to uh, yeah. do that. And if uh, who yeah. would want to go through that experience unless they perhaps yeah. remembered the disappointment? But yeah. also, like I said, analyze and moved on uh, yeah. from there. Move and forward. Move forward. Yeah, and that's a great point because you don't let the disappointment define you. Um, you you take out of it what you can, and then and then you move on. Uh, and and that was the same from a larger perspective as an athlete. Um, it's an interesting thing. A lot of people don't realize, but but at the Olympic Games Village, particularly towards the end of the Olympics, uh, th- there's a fair bit of depression. Because, you know, for some athletes, their career has defined them. Sadly, that's, that's as far as they're concerned, this is who they are. And one of the things when you look at people in retirement who are vibrant, they, they have stepped out of a job, but, but the job wasn't them. They were doing a great job, might have been, for, you know, 5, 10, 30 years, but they were more than the job. And and so to really enjoy and set up retirement for a far more enjoyable time, you're going to see those people who are maximizing it understand that the job that they were just transitioning out of, that's part of what they do and part of what they can do, but it's not them and it, it's not the only thing that defines them. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the things you'll see with vibrant people in retirement, they'll have perspective. 
and they're they're the funnest people to talk with because they've learned so much. They you know usually communicate really well, and sadly they don't have enough people coming up to them and saying, "How did you do this?" Uh, I mean, we went, Alicia and I when we went back to New Zealand in 1990, we were newlyweds. So we would seek these people out in our church, like I mentioned, who'd been married at that stage for 40 years, for 50 years. And we'd say, hey, how? Uh, <laughs> right. And this is one of the things that people in retirement, there's so much uh, opportunity for them to give. I just wish younger people would understand that uh, and seek them out. Uh, I mean, it, you know, we say we don't want to repeat the same mistakes. I'm all for not making a mistake if I can avoid it. And to do that, I want to talk with people who are seasoned, who have been there. And, you know, people in retirement or work optional lifestyle people, they're the ones to be seeking out. So they they got a huge role to play in our in our culture. Yeah. I love how you're pointing out just the uh the the, the level of capability uh of almost like the choice of your attitude uh, yep. can make not just um, in the beginning of life, but when you're transitioning into retirement. And I think this, uh, I'm, I'm getting more and more into the idea of, of interviewing and meeting athletes to talk about retirement because they've gone through it as 22 year olds, as 32 right. year olds. And right. uh, even though they're younger and they've got a different circumstance, they have a lot to uh, offer to a 62 year old to say, here's what I've, uh, gone through. And at the same time, the 62 year olds, uh, they've got a lot more life experience to to offer to the, to the young folks. So good for you for uh, recognizing that, you know, 30 some years ago that, oh my goodness, yeah. if I want to make this work, I better find out uh, how to make yeah. it work. How others have done it. That's right. And my parents, you know, I was blessed to have my parents had to have a wonderful uh, marriage, but it's always fun getting other, uh, you know, other input as well. Right. Well, I've got one more question for you, Paul. Uh, before yeah. that, tell us what's the best way for people to reach out to you? You can email me at paul at paulkingsman.com. So paul at paulkingsman.com and uh, that'll come right through to me. And uh, if you email me and uh, we can see if you have talk, want to talk or got any questions or want to give me some advice, <laughs> when, uh, feel free to email me there and uh, we can set up a time to talk or ha have a Zoom call. Yeah, I think the uh, ever-present learner is something that's been uh, coming through, shining through that you're always looking to to learn. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Well, uh, final question for you, Paul. Tell us something about yourself that few people know about, and remember that this podcast is rated clean. <laughs> that few uh, few people know about. Right? Favorite food is is definitely um, definitely ice cream. For me, though, uh, favorite time just to totally relax is is by the beach um my wife and i actually we're heading to savannah next week I've, i'm speaking for our company there uh, but then we're going to shoot over to charleston and and spend a couple of days there and and just be on the beach she knows the beach for me is therapy uh it's where i i do all my best thinking and so that for me is uh, a very special place um a couple of others i've had lunch with the queen uh, had lunch with the set next to the Queen um, when I retired in 1990. Uh, who was she was a lovely lady. Um, so yeah, just fantastic lady. Um, have done a jockey poster for for jockey back in New Zealand. <laughs> uh, that was a long, long time ago, about 50 pounds ago, as oh, they man. tell people. So yeah, I've had a lot of lot of fun experiences. I've been had a blessed life. 
uh, and was a jail chaplain for 15 years. Excellent. Uh, which is a very special time in my life. I believe it. Well, I asked for one thing and you gave us so many. I just love it. I got a feeling when people email you, uh, you will not be responding at the beach. You'll be enjoying your time there. <laughs> I will be, but but it will be before 8.30 because now as a 55-year-old, getting to bed at 8.30 is like it's a successful day if that happens. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Good. Well, thanks for coming on, Paul. You've been a big help for us to learn how to become distraction-proof, gave us some great tips and ideas on how to become distraction-proof. Hey, you're welcome, Jeremy. It's great sharing with you. You got it. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. This was another great episode of the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to automatically get our latest episodes. If you liked our show and want even more, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you please go to retirement-revealed.com to learn more and send us your questions and feedback. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners, Thrivent, or its affiliates. The guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by Thrivent Advisor Network. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have with your investment planning.